Welcome back to another installment of the Double Down WNBA podcast. My name is Eric Nemchak. He is Stephen Trinkwald. Stephen, we have another tier ranking exercise today. That's right. We did point guards a few weeks ago. Um, compared to that, how are you feeling about this one? When I was going through the wings, which we're going to be talking about today, not the Dallas wings, like the position wings, it was interesting. Like the, the top of my list was, I think, pretty clear cut. And then when I got towards the middle of it, it was there's not a lot separating these players. And it got, it got me thinking, is the stupid, is the superstar talent like not at the wing in the WNBA? Because there are a lot of really good players, but not a lot of players that I consider stars. Would you agree with that? I would. And I think there are a lot of players that are higher in these respective tiers that can maybe, you know, do less on ball uh, than, than players below them. Because as you were saying, I, I don't think there's a ton of, you know, star talent necessarily. So uh, the value is being, a really valuable complimentary player. Which a lot of these players, you know, as I was going through them, I'm like, okay, this player is a really good shooter. This player is a really good defender. And I guess it depends on, you know, like one, how good is she at that respective thing? And two, how much do you value that? You know, is, is, is the gravity of an Ellie Quigley or an Ariel Atkins, a three-point shooter really important to you? Or do you value the defense of somebody like a Tiffany Hayes or something like that? So we can have some interesting dis- discussion on this, I think. Um, before we get started, would you like to explain to our listeners kind of what we consider a wing to be? Sure. We, we talked a couple of weeks ago about what kind of uh, categorized how we put people in the point guard tier. And that was pretty much anybody that was going to be, you know, a primary ball handler, an offensive initiator. So there are a lot of players that probably are considered wings that we won't be talking about today because we've already covered them uh, a couple of weeks back. Arike Gumbawale, Kelsey Mitchell come to mind. But pretty much if you are considered maybe a two or a three or even an undersized four in some instances, uh, but you can play a little bit of, of three or, or would play three on some teams, but maybe not others, then you probably fell into the wings category here, right? Yeah, we, uh, we put together a list of like, like a pool of players beforehand. So uh, if there's a player in here that you think is a wing and we don't think is a wing, please don't yell at us. It's completely arbitrary. All right, let's, uh, let's get started here. We'll start with Tier 1. How many players did you have in Tier 1? And then we can get into the specifics. Mm-hmm. I had three players in Tier 1. How about you? I had one player alone in Tier 1. Okay, who is uh, it? This, this is the player, the only player that I really consider kind of like a franchise player among this, this pool of, of players here. And that would be Nafisa Collier. I also uh, ranked her number one overall. Yeah, and you know, this is probably just kind of from a categorization standpoint, you know, the most controversial inclusion, you know, she could very well be included as a big, but, you know, she's played the wing extensively in Minnesota, would probably start at the wing for about half the teams in the league, but she's a top 10-ish player. And, and I don't think it really any other player in consideration that we'll be discussing today is, is really kind of in that league. You know, even when you, when you think about Nafisa Kyler, and even though she is the clear, clear top player for you in this in this exercise even just with her you know she's not what you would consider to be a typical superstar type of player you know one who's going to have a high uh, a huge usage one who's going to be the leading scorer every single night but she is just so fundamentally sound and so skilled and so well-rounded on both ends of the floor it's pretty hard for me to make an argument over any one player above her I have like I said I have a couple of other players in my tier one, but for me, Nafisa Collier was the the best wing that came to mind for me. Like, how, did, she really doesn't have any weaknesses to her game. 
No, I think the only thing you could maybe say is, you know, that she isn't kind of the the every possession scorer, the go-to player in that way. I mean, she's not also maybe like a terrific playmaker, but I think she's a good enough playmaker. And her her malleability offensively, as, as well as kind of everything she can do defensively, guarding on the perimeter. And I mean, she uh, was was pretty much playing as their center defensively in, in a lot of lineups last year kind of being there the one that had the responsibility of protecting the rim and uh, obviously can can guard you know wings as well and she's she's one of the best defensive players in the league and there aren't too many holes in her game offensively you know the one thing I think some people would like to see is maybe her be a little bit more aggressive just kind of shooting the three ball but mm-hmm. you know she can score it inside she's she's a capable shooter outside so and yeah I, I just I do think she's kind of a, a notch above the rest of the the players that that we're considering and, and I have four players in the next tier so there will be even more delineation from kind of uh, my consideration to yours okay so the other two players I had in my tier one were Dewana Bonner and Angel McCautry Bonner I think it's pretty self-explanatory I mean she's been one of the best wing players in the league for a long time now and with the sort of decline of other players and the uh and the rise of the more complimentary wing as as you, as you put it she is one of the few players in this list who can and will you know, carry an offense on her own. As we've noted many times before, maybe not the most efficient at it. But, you know, I mean, for, for what it is, she's still a very long and very versatile player. Maybe another player you consider to be more of a small ball four, but we included her as a wing anyway. Um, I do think she is below Nafisa Collier now because Collier is, one, younger, I think more versatile defensively. And Bonner is a pretty versatile defensive player too, but it just speaks more to how good Nafisa is. And, uh, you know, like I said, Bonner can carry a team, but it might not be – I mean, you saw the Sun at the beginning of the year. It was, it was rough when Bonner was putting up those huge numbers and the Sun continued to lose. And then McCautry, this is a player, if you told me before the season, would still be a Tier 1 wing player, I would have laughed at you. And maybe it's still laughable, but even though she was on a pretty strict minutes limit this past season – she showed that many of the things that made her that make her an all-time great really are still are still applicable. You know, she's still one of the best in the league at getting to the rim off the dribble. Um, her mid-range game has improved a lot, I feel like. The three ball was falling for her for most of the season. And um, she's a big time playmaker defensively. So I don't know if it was just the role in Las Vegas, you know, no longer having to carry the team uh, like she did for so many years in Atlanta. But if Angel McCartry is playing at that level, I still think she's a, a superstar player. So you had Bonner two and Angel three in, in yes. that order. I had uh, I had Angel three as well. I had Dewana Bonner number five. Oh, okay, um, interesting. Yeah. So so let's let's I guess we can pick up with with Bonner. She is you know a bit better of a creator than than another player I have above her here. And uh, so I'll, I'll just go through it quickly here. So at number two, so th- this is my entire tier two. I have uh, number two. I have Jewel Lloyd. Number three, I have Angel McCautry. Number four, I have Ariel Atkins. And number five, I have Dewana Bonner. And Bonner is definitely a better creator than Ariel Atkins, right? She's a great defensive player. She can definitely do more with the ball in her hand, I I think. But, you know, she was the primary offensive creator for Connecticut last year, and they were 10th in offense. Like, granted, the, the pieces were not a perfect fit. Bonner and Alyssa Thomas, I think, definitely make more sense playing together when you have a John Quall Jones rather than a Bree Jones, you know, a center that can kind of space the floor. Do everything, as, yeah. As great as Bree Jones was, like she had a terrific individual season for herself. 
Um, and Connecticut would not have been as good if they didn't have her. But, you know, that trio of front court players just doesn't make a ton of sense in terms of just being able to have them each do the thing that they're good at, which for all three of those players relies on scoring near the basket. Yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, Bonner just kind of didn't show up in the playoffs. Like after that first round playoff game against Chicago, like Bonner did not have a single game shooting over 40% from the field for the rest of the playoffs. After getting to the line 13 times in that Chicago game, she got to the line a total in 19 times in the subsequent six games. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Connecticut wasn't able to pull off an upset against the shorthanded Vegas team because Bonner wasn't good enough and because Angel McCautry outplayed her those final two games. You know, yeah. She, yeah. she's... Oh, I mean, please, sorry. I was going to say, like, one of the reasons they got Duana Bonner was to be that that number one overall option and to be that player who could take over a game if you wanted her to. And it felt like that whole series against Las Vegas, you were just waiting for Bonner to go on one of those six point, eight point, nine point runs by herself. And that never really happened. So I had Angel a couple spots ahead of her. And the funny thing is, is, you know, Bonner was like this iron woman, you know, near leading the league in minutes yeah. uh, this season. And Angel McCarthy was playing like 20 minutes a game. <laughs> um, but one thing you had said about Angel was that she was canning threes all season. You, you know, well, she took 34 attempts the entire season. The, the player I had right above her, Jewel Lloyd, like made 39. So, but there's really nothing I could say about Angel McCarthy aside from like eating crow because you and I both were extremely skeptical about her mm-hmm. effectiveness coming into the season. And, and she, you know, we said it a million times over the course of this podcast, but she just put up her most efficient season of her career offensively. You know, she, I think among all the players that, that are kind of, you know, have been mentioned so far and probably will be mentioned the rest of the way. Like she's still the most effective transition force outside of maybe diamond to shields that we'll be talking about today. Like 20% frequency in transition, still pretty, pretty good for a player of her age and, and, you know, missing time all last season with, with the injury, obviously, but we obviously have no idea what her season would have looked like if she played similar minutes to the rest of these players. And that definitely, I think does have to be a consideration, but when she did see her minutes ramp up in those last two games of the Connecticut series. Like she was still pretty effective, uh, a little bit too small of a sample size, obviously to really take anything from it. But, you know, I think the nice thing is for her effectiveness, like even if Vegas loses Kayla McBride this off season, like I think we, we probably expect her to, you know, they'll probably still be in a position to limit her minutes and not overextend her, but she was extremely effective. Um, we talked a little bit about how she was still a, a great off-ball defender just in terms of her playmaking and, and kind of getting out into those transition opportunities. And, you know, those that and her effectiveness as a two-point player and, and getting to the basket and hitting those sh- jump shots, you know, even if they weren't a lot of them from three, she, she took a ton of mid-range shots and was very effective. You know, she was a great player this year, for sure. Um, the thing about Angel, you know, before the season, I questioned, I, I think I did, you know, I'm having trouble remembering, but I, I believe I questioned her fit with Asia Wilson, you know, like, can Angel, can this player who has been the cornerstone of a franchise and the, and one of the highest usage players ever, um, you know, play nice with Asia Wilson. And she did. I mean, that was, that was actually a great compliment because, you know, for as good of a season as Asia Wilson had, post players, like players who are mainly, um, you know, in the low post most of the time, you can't get them the ball in every single possession. You can't get them good shots every single possession. So you need a player on the perimeter who can balance that offense out. And for the most part, I mean, Angel McCarthy was a terrific compliment to Asia Wilson. It was, and she even had that pretty good uh, first game against Seattle. I mean, she didn't play that well the rest of the series, but that's, I'm not going to hold that against her. I mean, Seattle is just a super team this year, um, clearly above everyone else. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Angel McCarthy, um, still, still getting it done on both ends of the floor. Really impressive. 
All right, let's talk about Jewel Lloyd. Where did you have her? Yeah. Uh, I had her fifth. You know, out, she was in tier two uh, alongside one of her teammates. Uh, but I think for Jewel, it seems we talked about this as well. I remember us talking about this. It, it seems like for her, it was more of settling into more of a uh, second or third option behind Brianna Stewart and behind, behind Natasha Howard. Oh, I believe Lloyd was more of an option than Howard was this season. But um, efficiency went back up. You know, there's not a lot she can't do offensively. And she's one of those few players in the league who just has that extra gear, who is a tough shot maker. Um, you know, take some shots where you're like, no, 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 no. And then it goes in and you're like, okay, good shot. You know, and she's, a, I think she improved her defense as well. There's, she's improved to a point where I think she's a very good all around player and not just the athlete that she was when she first came into the league. What made you uh, rank her so high? Well, it was the defensive leap for me. Like she was definitely within the caliber of an all defensive season. I thought in 2020, I, I had her on my all defensive team list. And then to complement that, you know, that, that leap, I think defensively, she had her best offensive season as well. A career high in true shooting, a career high getting to the free throw line. Uh, she jumped from the 18th percentile as a pick and roll scorer in 2019 to the 88th percentile. Her shooting percentage jumped 15 points in those plays, but also her turnover percentage went from, you know, 24% to, to nine and a half percent. So just making better decisions, being able to kind of finish those plays. She is a, a effective on-ball player and, and a great spot-up player as well. You know, 97th percentile there, 62nd coming off screen. So pretty much whatever she was kind of asked to do within the flow of Seattle's obviously hyper-talented offense, she did it with effectiveness, her finishing around the rim, both in terms of frequency and efficiency, got back closer to 2018 levels rather than kind of the dip we saw from her last season. And, you know, she's not necessarily kind of their their go-to playmaker, obviously, with with two really great passing point guards and uh, some great passing bigs as well. But her her assists were pretty good. Like, I think she has a good feel for a passer as a passer. You know, she has good anticipation. She has pretty good vision. I would categorize her game as pretty unselfish, uh, particularly this year, even if, you know, I don't think she's necessarily, you know, asked to do that or even capable to do that, like in a, a play in and play out possession as, you know, you're not going to, she's more of like a, a second side pick and roll player. You know what I mean? Rather than uh, when things are slowing down, you're going to, okay, let's back it up and run another one for Jewel. The one thing that I, I think maybe caused some hesitancy for me, like, I don't think necessarily she's like such a transcendent sure thing just in terms of being at this level of effectiveness like I I think I could see a world where she just isn't surrounded by this talent like the best floor spacing in the league you know she's on like Atlanta or Connecticut or whatever and she's putting up similar like per game numbers and it's like a 505 true shooting or like a 490 true shooting rather than uh, the terrific season she had this year but that being said like she, she can do it all offensively outside from maybe being like your your number one primary initiator you know on ball and off ball like I was saying and and she was she had a great defensive season which as we were talking about before we kind of started this I mean if you have an elite complementary player that's still elite for their position right so yeah I, I agree with everything you said on Jewel um she did get back to the uh more get back to her more efficient ways and she improved on defense I still can't believe that Seattle only had two all defensive team players and one of them came on the second team that just makes no sense to me but um yeah, she was one of the top guards defensively as well. And she just, like like I said, she doesn't really have that many holes in her offensive game anymore. Aside from, you know, maybe maybe could take a few fewer mid-range shots. But when you have a player, like, sometimes when you, have a, when you can get absolutely nothing on offense, even for a team like Seattle, there's a player like Jewel Lloyd who can't hit those shots if you need to. So, yeah, I, I could definitely see Jewel as 
one of the higher okay. ranking players. So, so between McCautry at three and Bonner at five, like I mentioned, I had Ariel Atkins. I feel like this is uh, going to be quite a divergence for us. What it comes down to for me, like having her over Bonner is exactly what we had kind of hidden at the top of the show. Like, I think it is more valuable to be an elite role player, an elite complementary player than being like a B plus first option that doesn't provide as much of that value off the ball. Okay. You know, she's a 37% shooter from three so far, which, you know, might be even probably a little lower than, than you would think, but I think she's truly one of like the most valuable perimeter defenders in the league, you know, whether it's being able to guard the best players on ball, you know, we've talked extensively how I think, you know, her, her real kind of masterpiece is, is guarding and help defense and being able to dig down in the post and create so many turnovers that way. But either one, you like, you just have so much optionality there and you know, she's never going to kill you offensively. She is going to kind of hit the open shots. I think she, a lot of what I'm describing also describes a player that we'll get to a little later in Alicia Clark. I think the difference for me is Atkins can do a little bit more kind of shooting off the dribble a little bit more as like a, a help defender as well. Like I think Clark is, is, one of the best, like, I think Clark is a better on-ball defender and a more versatile defender on-ball. And I think Atkins, where the difference is, is just with her, she's still a very, very good on-ball defender and an elite help defender, which I, I don't really categorize Clark as the same level of effectiveness off the ball on defense. Okay, so I had uh, Atkins seventh. So that's not really, and she was the first player in my third tier. So I don't think we're that far off. I mean, I... I agree with you on the, uh, just on the malleability of her game. You know, she can plug and play pretty much anywhere. And I think one of the things we were talking about regarding her entering the season was, okay, pretty much all the stars for the Mystics are missing now. Can Atkins take that next step and be that, you know, alpha dog player? I mean, yes and no. I mean, she, her efficiency was higher than I thought it would be, though. You know, it's not like she was just playing off Elena Deladon and Christy Tellever the whole time and just getting these open shots over and over and over again. She did have to do some shot creation herself, and she was pretty good at it. Okay, so I think I've gone through my first two tiers and, and my first five players. I think we still have a player in your five, uh, your top five that we haven't touched on. Yes. We? Okay. And, and it is Alicia Clark. Um, I might be a little high on this just because she's not a player who is going to be creating her own offense like almost ever. But I just say that... Well, kind of to kind of speaking to your point that you just made about an elite role player uh, being more valuable than a a pretty good first option. Um, Alicia Clark to me is the best complementary player in the league because not only is she a three and D play, she's one of the best three point shooters and one of the best defenders defenders in the league, which in my opinion already makes her one of the most valuable players because that's such a valuable archetype and they're. You know, as popular as a 3 and D term is, I don't feel, that, feel like there are many true 3 and D players in the league. Alicia Clark is one of them. There's no doubt about that. Um, she's super versatile on both ends of the floor. Uh, and this season, I feel like really saw a jump in her playmaking. Like, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I feel like she was more involved in pick and rolls. Granted, it is pretty, it's a little easier to run pick and rolls with Brianna Stewart because she moves so well and she catches everything and she finishes everything. But Clark did show that extra gear in her game that I wasn't really aware she had. And she can take it down to the post and, and punish mis mismatches as well. I just think, and then like her basketball IQ is so freaking high. She rarely turns it over. And something you like to say about her a lot, when she gets the ball beyond the perimeter, she's not an automatic shot attempt. You know, she will pass the ball if it's, she will pass up a good shot for a better shot, if you will. 
So, I mean, this is like the ultimate example of a, of a complimentary player being a star. I mean, I don't, it might be a little high, but I'm, I'm just, I just really like Alicia's game. Um, she seems to get better every year, more efficient every year, and just the perfect fifth option for the, uh, for the storm offense. Yeah. So you have her four and Lloyd five. I do. Okay. Uh, and yeah, just to kind of build off what you were saying, like, I, th- I think there are truly like less than a handful of defenders in the league that can capably a lot of players you say, Oh, you know, they can guard one through four. Like Clark actually can guard one. through. Yeah. Four. She actually like, can do it. Yeah. You know, for, for possessions at a time, you know, not just in, in an emergency situation where you, you know, hope the player that she's matched up against maybe makes the wrong decision or something, you know, you can stick her on any player in the league, essentially possession after possession and she's going to do a terrific job and really make life miserable for that player who would um, the other players be that could guard one through four collier right oh yeah sure uh nafisa collier i would say i mean honestly i i think the rest of the players that you could kind of put in that categorization would be more bigs that can hang on the perimeter more so than uh you know perimeter players that can kind of muscle down low right which alicia clark is so it's yeah, yeah sure so I have her six. I have her, my first player in, in tier three. I don't think we have to spend too much more time. I mean, this is like an Alicia Clark fan podcast. Like we, we, it is, yeah. <laughs> we spend a lot of time glowing about uh, Alicia Clark and, and kind of gushing about, you know, her floor game. And like you were saying, the extra passing and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, who did you have as your number six player? Uh, I had Allie Quigley and another one that I might be a little high on. And okay, just for listeners out there, I try to be objective at every possible point. Sometimes, like people say, I'm too critical of this guy. But this is a point which I think I got to give it up for Ellie Quigley just because and she didn't really have as good of a season as we're used to seeing her have. But just the effect that she has on the offense. I mean, she is a she's a bucket in transition because she will run straight to the wing and hoist up a three and probably drain that three. There aren't many players in the league who you're comfortable taking a one on zero three pointer, if you will. But Ellie Quigley is one of them. And just the gravity she has on the Chicago offense, maybe I'm putting a little too much value in her, in her value because the Sky don't really have that many knockdown three-point shooters besides her. But her ability to operate both, you know, in space and coming off of screens, she's one of the best, she's one of the best in the league at moving, at moving around without the basketball and coming off screens. I think that's a very valuable skill to have in a, in a wing player. And she's kind of, I think, an underrated finisher as well I mean she's not a player who's gonna be bullying her way to the rim but she's got really good footwork and I mean the footwork is what makes her a great shooter as well but you know she's never off balance she's so consistent and in her off-ball play I just think that there are a lot of great shooters in the league but besides Diana Tarazi Quigley is just on a different level just because of all these things combined you know some of these players have you know really good form and really good footwork but you know maybe they're not as consistent or some of these players are really good shooters, but they're not as good coming off the basket or, you know, moving with the basketball as they are off the basketball quickly can basically do everything. And I think a player like that is, is very hard to replace. Yeah. I think just in terms of like the relocating, like it, it's her and Tolliver and no one else is even really close. And, and in terms of like the jump shot versatility, it's like her and Tolliver. And it's no like one the really pressure that puts on the defense, I, I think is, is very overlooked. Uh, so I, I wanted to ask this, this was something in, in my notes because I had a hard time with Allie Quigley uh, you know, this was a player who I maybe foolishly said uh, in the offseason is kind of a more uh, impactful part of what Chicago does on offense, like the most important part of what they do on offense. But yeah, I, I, I was that, yeah. hoping to kind of ask you a little bit like what how did you feel about Allie Quigley's 2020 season? Was it like a normal Allie Quigley season for you? No. And that might be just being really spoiled by previous Allie Quigley seasons. 
I mean, how many years did we see her flirting with 50, 40, 90? And uh, which is, of course, totally arbitrary. But I mean, being the best shooter in the game, like I said, being ridiculous in transition, second to none coming off screens, knocking down these shots from mid-range and three-point line. Maybe it was just like law of averages that she would have a slightly below expectation season, but she was still really, really good. And for a player of her archetype, I mean, I know she's getting up there in age, but I would not be surprised if she bounces back next year and has a, uh, has a season similar to 2018 and 2019 because she is in such incredible shape. And she's a player whose game is not reliant on athleticism. It's about relocating off the basketball, like you said, and being in incredible shape and being a really fundamentally sound player. And she's got, she's had all those things down pat for many years now. So, I mean, was it just a matter of those shots not falling for her? It seemed like a lot of games where she, or a few games where she had some really good looks and those shots just didn't fall. Yeah. To me, it was just kind of a change in her shot diet. You know, she had a, a 555 true shooting percentage, which for, I think for most human beings is, is pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. WNBA, but for Allie Quigley, kind of not really what we're used to seeing. You know, the, the transition game that we had gushed about so much coming into this season, she went from the 91st percentile in 2019 to the 25th percentile and, and her frequency dropped pretty considerably as well. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the absence of, of diamond to shields, of course, but I think overall, you know, 40% frequency from mid range and long two, like, that was her highest rate since she was like a sixth player uh, a few years back when she was, you know, kind of more of like a, a mid-range master where she would routinely take about 50% of her shots from uh, from there instead of from three. And I think a lot of it had to do with just uh, with missing Steph Dolson. Like, yeah, I know mm-hmm. Dolson only missed seven games and, and she played 15, but she came off the bench for, for seven of those. Last season in 2019, I should say, 71% of Quigley's minutes came with Steph Dolson on the floor and in this year it was 30% and those two I think have such a, a great uh, not only like a handoff chemistry but also Dolson is such a better off-ball screener than any of the other bigs that that they had this season you know as, as great as Cheyenne Parker was and as terrific as her season is and as good of a pick and roll player as she is there it's it's a different thing you know having the instincts to screen someone open away from the ball totally. and, I, and I think Dolson is you know just about as good as anyone at doing that so I, I'm with you I, I did have her a little bit lower I probably would have had her uh, considerably higher than I did coming into this season but when you have a down season at age 34, you know, it's not like she had a down season at age 28 and we can say, well, she'll be back next year. I think it is a little bit different, but I am hoping and, and you know, probably expecting that things will be closer to uh, 2018, 2019 than they were uh, 2020. Uh, but I did have her, I had her ninth and I had her as my first player in tier four uh, with three players in tier three. Okay. So we were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty far away on that. Um, who else do you have in tier three? Okay, so we talked about Alicia Clark. Uh, number seven, I have Alicia Gray. And number eight, I have Diamond DeShields. We, we can start with Gray. I'm curious to, to see kind of where you have her. I feel like she is like, she's taken over for what Alicia Clark used to be, just in terms of like every person's answer when you say who's the most underrated player in the league. You know what I mean? But when we talk about like versatile scorers and three level scorers, uh, this is a player I think we don't talk about enough. Like she's routinely around 30% frequency getting to the rim and a very plus finisher when she gets there. She's one of the premier, and I mean premier, like perimeter players getting to the free throw line. She, she, I don't know how she does it. I honestly don't. Like she, it's not like she's overwhelmingly strong for her size, but just her, her moves down there, the way she just kind of throws herself 
it's a little bit of fault seeking behavior. It's a little bit of just savviness in terms of like, maybe it's some of it comes from being a left-handed player and kind of throwing your arms a different way. I, I honestly don't understand it, but, um, but you know, she's also a 36% shooter from three the past two seasons after kind of struggling her first couple of years in the league behind the arc. And uh, more so than that, you know, a 41% catch and shoot player. So she's another player that can be very effective with the ball, be very effective without the ball. You know, her, her playmaking has dropped pretty considerably the past two seasons, but I, I think there's a pretty easy correlation to make there for the Dallas Wings. Um, so, you know, that's my case for Alicia Gray. I think she's really good. She has a statistical resume that I think is, is pretty underrated. You know, I, we kind of hate to use that word for this player in, in particular because of how often it comes up, but she's really good. Maybe maybe overlooked is the better word instead of underrated. Yeah, her contributions are overlooked because yeah, I, I like yeah. That. Okay, because I mean, look at look at who else she's playing with, you know. And some, I wonder about Alicia Gray. Like, if the perception of her would change if she wasn't on a consistently bad team, you know. I mean, she is. I mean, I agree with you. Like, I have her lower than you, but I'm I'm still a fan. Um, she is a good three level score. The the foul the foul drawing is is excellent. By the way, it's 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 a very good skill to have in a wing player. And she can, you know, she can come off the bench for you too. I mean, she's a player who can do whatever you ask of her coming off the bench as well. You know, you're not going to lose anything bringing her off the bench versus having her in the starting lineup. It, one one comparison I like to make is, you know, okay, which which player would you rather have, Ariel Atkins and or Alicia Gray? I think I would I think I would take Atkins, but when you look when you approach it this way, I mean, they're both really really good off the ball and they can do some, some things with the ball, you know, not everything, but they're both, you know, went two threes lefties, of course, who can both shoot from the outside and get to the rim if, if you give it to them. So yeah, Alicia Gray, she's, she's a player who just like quietly goes about her business. And, and this has always been like, I know you, um, you don't watch a lot of college basketball, but when she, when she was at first starting out at North Carolina and later to South Carolina, she was always like the silent assassin. You know, she's not a very, loud player her game isn't that loud but she just consistently gets the business done at an above average level on both ends of the court and one other thing uh, about her and you know we don't really have any kind of evidence to back this up yet but she strikes me as more of a ceiling raiser than a floor raiser you know what I mean like you can have as we've seen a really bad team with Alicia Gray on your team but I think when she finds the right situation you know she's going to really kind of help put a team over the top or or really kind of make a difference for oh, yeah. a good team kind of taking that next step because she she does have all the valuable things that are kind of more valuable for a good team than they are for a bad team. It's going to be interesting to see where she goes this offseason. I mean, I, I think, I mean, Dallas has the money and the space to re-sign her, but if I'm a contending team, I'm doing like the most possible to get Alicia Gray. Yeah, especially, you know, they, we, we've talked about it a bunch, but they have a roster crunch and they're, they're going to make some tough decisions. They and, do, and they've like, got a lot of picks again, so we'll see. Um, so the next player I had is Diamond DeShields. Where did you have Diamond DeShields? Uh, lower, lower again. Um, I, I, I was probably, I was probably taking, in fact, I know I was taking last season into consideration too much, but as far as Diamond is concerned, and I'm just going to want to say this one thing, I'll let you go, but it's not that I was concerned about her injury because she, she did have an injury at the start of the season, but it's just that she never really got going afterwards. And it, it made her weaknesses, the weaknesses in her game just seem more exaggerated. So, I mean, she's, I love her potential, but she's still very, very far from a, a finished product. And uh, it was, it was a disappointing season for her as a Sky fan. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I didn't even consider 2020 when trying to figure out where she belongs on this list. It was in my opinion, like a, a lost season that isn't really representative of, of who she is as a player. So maybe that's, 
just you know kind of taking some some evidence i don't like and and discarding it but <laughs> as you said like she she was injured like i mean in a normal world like diamond to shields isn't going to come off the bench for Claire copper you know if if she's right and we saw that she wasn't right just in terms of like her her aggressiveness you know she oddly was a, a, still a very effective player from two point range but like you said the weaknesses with regards to like her her spacing and her three point shooting and all that kind of stuff was kind of um disappointing to to say the least so so i i kind of just took this spot for where i think she would have been this season if you know coming or or i guess where she was at the end of 2019 where you know i think we both agree she maybe was not the best player to be named for that second team all wnba i think we probably both have some some other players we would have named ahead of her but uh you know she was a very effective player in that season, you know, I, I have some, my questions come like in a half court offense, you know what I mean? Like when, when things are getting bogged down, especially like you're either going to be the person that needs to create against the tough defenses in, in a half court setting or provide spacing. And, and I'm not sure she can do either at this point. Really? Um, I mean, is is that not fair? I mean, you don't think she can create? I, I mean, reliably in, in the half court, like, I mean, for herself, I think she can get to the to the basket pretty well. Okay. But I I don't know like how high value look she's getting at like. Sure. Okay. So she can you know she mean? can create a lot of shots that are going to end up in long twos. But yeah, or it's not really uh, or really kind of tough shorter twos that that maybe aren't you know kind of easier uh, finishes at the basket. Okay. So, so I don't know. You know, it's it's a tough one, and obviously, uh, this season. We, we didn't see it for obvious reasons, but definitely want to see some more consistency on the defensive end as well. Yeah, it was it was disappointing for sure for Diamond. Uh, who else did you have there? Uh, so that was the last player in that tier, and then I started the next tier with Ali Quigley at number nine. So this is where it got a little weird um, because there were so many players who either sat out last season or played amazingly well last season for what we were uh, compared to what we were expecting. I had Tiffany Hayes after Ariel Atkins, and this... Eh, like maybe it's a little high. Like I've never been the biggest Tiffany Hayes fan, but when she's good, she is really, really good at at least getting to the rim and drawing fouls or seeking fouls, <laughs> whichever way you want to put it, making those uh those those crazy cuts to the basket. Um, and she's a very good perimeter defender as well. So, like I think Tiffany Hayes at her best is a tier three player, and like she can guard one through three pretty reliably. I would say. Jump shot. The the one thing I I need to see from Tiffany Hayes is either an in between game, you know, like don't go crazy with the mid range shot, but like she does not have a mid range shot, or a more consistent three point shot, because she she has like this weird release where like she kind of shoots it from her chest, you know, and it, it it takes a while to get it up there. And it's really high arcing, and it it seems susceptible to wild you know efficiency swings, which we saw I believe last season or sorry 2019. I'm gonna get confused with that, but yeah, I, I think Tiffany Hayes is around a tier three player but we haven't seen her in a year so who knows what's going on with that yeah so that's number eight for you i think i had yes. her um so i mentioned that ali quigley is the first player i have in this tier i have five players in this tier it ranges number nine through number 13 tiffany hayes is number 12 for me so she's behind a couple more players we haven't touched on and to be honest like i had her a few spots lower than this and in a whole nother tier down for a while and then i'm like, what are you thinking? Like, even if she's not your favorite player in the world, like she's way too good for where you have her. So yeah. I did move her up a few spots. Uh, she's got to be in the class with, with these other players. But for me, just from kind of what it is she she brings, like the the couple players above her are, 
you know, in the same neighborhood defensively, if not quite as good as peak Tiffany Hayes. But at this point, like it's been two years since she's been good. Like 2019 was bad. And obviously she didn't play last year. So in terms of like, you know, the jump shot, again, not, not a shot I really love for her for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, she makes impressive finishes, but she's not really that great of a finisher. Like statistically, she's never been that high of a percentage player finishing around the rim, but nevertheless, like she remains pretty efficient, mostly because She's very aggressive getting to the free throw line, like you said, and, and she is a plus defender, even if 2019 was was not up to her normal standards. So so I had her 12. Um, the two players that, that we haven't talked about that I had between her and Allie Quigley are Ariel Powers and Kayla McBride. Okay, interesting. So I was, I'm, I'm lower on both of those players than you are, and I'm very surprised you haven't mentioned one specific player yet, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, why, why McBride and why, um, who else did you say? Ariel Powers. And, well, yeah. and this, this is one, um, this is a tricky one for me. I think, you know, she went from, I mean, this is fair to say, right. She went from going to the worst organization in the league to, and being fine in that situation to being in the best situation in the league and being really, really effective, right? Like she was really good for the, uh, 2019 Mystics, and I think every player alive would have been good for the 2019 Mystics. So, uh, but what has remained consistent for her is she's really good at getting to the free throw line. Her her three point attempt rate is is pretty solid. It's pretty consistent. So this is a player who who can definitely drop a few spots. You know, depending on kind of what's next for her, it seems like in all likelihood the next time we see her, she's going to be in a different situation, right? So. Yeah. But she's she's a three and D player, I think. I think she's a pretty fair defensive player. You know, again, maybe not as good as Tiffany Hayes on that end, but I think she brings a little bit more off the ball as an offensive player. Pretty, at least in Washington, w- was a pretty effective shooter there, and, and she gets all the way to the rim uh, in a way that a lot of these other players don't. Tiffany Hayes not included because she does. I mean, Powers is one of the few players on this this list I'd consider to be a legitimate three level scorer. For her, you know, it's been interesting watching her. I was a big fan of hers uh, when she was playing at Michigan State in college, and I was a little disappointed at how, uh, I'll just say it, out of control she was in her first few years in the league. Like, she showed glimpses of being a really effective offensive player, but, like, the defense was was pretty inconsistent, and, and the offense, like, she just made a lot of really bad decisions. She's really come into her own in Washington, and it just, it just shows, you know, what, what good coaching can do for a player. She's gotten better at shooting the three or more consistent. Um, she can take the mid-range shot, but it's not – she's not – seeking difficult shots anymore and there's not many there aren't many players who are better operating in space off the dribble than, than aerial powers i was kind of waffling around like is she tier three is she tier four she's my first player in tier four so i still think she's pretty good the only thing is like she played what was it like six seven games this past season six games yeah yeah you know that the sample size is pretty low there's uh pretty small there and she was in a new role which is basically okay you know you're our go-to now. <laughs> We're not a good team. You're our go-to player. So, so go for it. But she is going to make some other team pretty happy this off season with her skill set. It just seems like for her, the game has slowed down a lot for aerial powers in the past few years. I don't think the talent was ever in question. It was a matter of, you know, what's in between the ears. And she, um, she's really come into her own as a complimentary player and, you know, maybe a player who can take over a game or two if, if required. The next player I had, as I mentioned, Kayla McBride, yeah, definitely like a down season, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe it's not fair for me to have her above Tiffany Hayes, who the last time we saw also had a down season. And, and there are some players below this who had good seasons. But to me, she 
you know, I, I think she's probably past the point of like being able to hang laterally with twos at this point and is more kind of a three. But let's see her in a situation that doesn't actively hate the skill set that she brings to the table. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, she was kind of torched by by Jewel Lloyd in, in the finals, but also really held up defensively against Dewana Bonner once they kind of made that switch, who like doesn't have Lloyd's speed or quickness, obviously, and is more of a, a three. So um, I, I kind of want to see her in a more, you know, let's call it progressive offensive system uh, that values her skill set a little bit more where she's not so much of, of an after, you know, I don't want to see her necessarily, you know, focused uh, or, or a focal point on offense like, you know, she might be for like her overseas team. Um, but just, you know, something that kind of values what she does a little bit more. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe at this point she's, she's on the way down. Uh, you know, she's on the decline just in terms of her effectiveness, but she's been a, a really good player in this league. And I still kind of have some faith that, that she'll be kind of back to that level a little bit. If, even if it looks a little bit different. This might be a little unfair for me, but the reason I had her lower than you when I was, when I was thinking through these is that, Yes, they did not really utilize her at all this this past season, which was strange to me. Um, but she just seemed like she got taken out of the game, you know, like like not, not not literally, but she just seemed invisible. And if that's the kind of player you're you're, you're looking at, which is which is you know fine. I mean, she's still a really good jump shooter, although her three point shooting uh, efficiency did take a, a pretty big dip. But I think that's that's pretty subject to variance if you have a player that you need to be consistently running plays for to keep her effective, I don't think I can justify ranking her ahead of these, uh, a lot of these other players or is that stupid? No, that's totally fair. Um, because I mean, like she's, she's a great off ball player. Yeah. But how much was she really contributing this season? You would think like a player like her, who's a really good jump shooter and who is pretty good at moving out the basketball as well would just be more impactful than she was, even though her coach was like actively trying to freeze her out of the offense all the time, you know? Yeah, that's fair. You know, there's there's nothing really I can say to kind of combat that. And I think there's a bit of an expectation from from you and I that she won't be back in in that system. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I guess we'll see what what she, she can still like. bring it though for sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you watch her playing for Fenerbahce this this in Euroleague. She can still do it. She can still shoot. She can still score. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her play for someone else. Yeah. So so those are we we've talked about twelve players on my list. Is there anybody in your top twelve we haven't gotten to so far? Yes, I had Benajah Laney right below Tiffany Hayes, and this was a really difficult one for me because I, mean, I think for obvious reasons, um, she had by far her best season in what was a drastically different role, and she just suddenly started playing super efficient basketball and like was a really good basketball player. I mean, this is, I don't think either of us saw this coming, and um, but I mean, gosh, the, the way she played this past offseason, I mean, she was a legit two-way player who could make plays, not a ton of plays, but she can make plays for others. I mean, she was hitting shots coming off screens. She was hitting shots when defenses went under screens. She had that mid-range game was on point. There was very little, but Nigel Laney was not doing offensively this past offseason. But on the other hand, it's like, well, like I said before, she was a player, or like I said before, for powers. I mean, she was a player who was pretty much green-lighted on a another bad team. So, I mean, it was it was really impressive how the usage increased and the efficiency took a huge jump. I mean, that's not usually something that you see in any situation. Um, If we're just going by 2020 standards, I had her in tier three, but I mean, I think there's a pretty good chance she turns back into a pumpkin too. I mean, that this, what we saw from Benajah Laney last season was not even close to what either of us were expecting from her. 
Yeah, of course. What what number did you have her overall? I had her ninth. Ninth, okay. I had her 15th, and she was fantastic, for sure. One thing I've been wondering in my head, like, is she the type of player that needs the ball to be effective offensively? Like That's she, a good question. But but she isn't really good enough to command having the ball all the time. You know what I mean? Like, she, she had a good season. She greatly surpassed any reasonable expectations that anyone could have had for her. But she, she was in the top 10 in total pick-and-roll possessions this past season and was in the 28th percentile. So she was someone who was given – all the opportunity that that she could possibly ever ask for you know what i mean and like her her assist rate did go up like um you know definitely a career high as like a, a playmaker and showed some things uh as a pick and roll player but the overall effectiveness was not necessarily there just in terms of like if this is who you're going to be like then then you kind of have to be a little bit better at it than than you were you know atlanta wasn't a particularly good offense uh with her kind of handling so much of the offensive workload the one thing that will kind of buoy her a little bit is if she is able to kind of continue to be effective as a spot up shooter, which she was very effective last season, but obviously like, you know, she was the poster child for perimeter players prior to 2020 in terms of like, okay, this is a player we're just going to ignore if she stands behind the three point line, you know, her defender is just going to go on the other side of the court and and just pretend that she's not there. So we, we got a small sample size of, of her kind of breaking through that. And I just need to see a little bit more of it and, and maybe less of the kind of on-ball stuff because I don't think she's quite good enough to be doing that on-ball stuff as much as she was doing last season. Well, I don't think she will be asked to do much on-ball stuff if, as Kennedy Carter gra- gradually, you know, takes over that team. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, she was, she was a dreadful spot-up player just a season prior. So can she improve upon that? You know, hit that jump shot consistently, hit the three-point shot consistently? Because uh, I do think she has the tools to play as a good off-ball player, you know, because of her size and her ability to maybe if if um, she's asked, you know, crash the glass a little bit more or something along those lines or be a secondary playmaker. Um, I do agree that, you know, she's not good enough to be a primary scorer, but that's where the question comes, you know, like, well, how did she have this incredible season then? So we'll see what happens. Hopefully the dream are better next year um, if they keep an idol landing. Sure. And she's going to kind of have to really fight for touches, I think, with yeah. Hayes and Tiffany Hayes and, and Kennedy Carter. But uh, who was your next player? So um, this is one we should have mentioned the last time we did this exercise for guards. I had Maureen Johannes. And I'm very surprised you didn't mention Maureen Johannes because you love Maureen Johannes. Okay. This is number 10 for you. Is that right? Yes. Okay. She's num- she's my number 13 player. She's the, okay. the one player in, in this tier we haven't gotten to yet. I was kind of giving you a chance to, to okay. catch up, but uh, she's, she's kind of like in a half tier by herself, which, you know, just show me a little bit more in you there. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Um, so this is a player who hasn't played in the WNBA since 2019. And she played for a very bad Liberty team in 2019 and had some players playing in front of her, which neither Steven or I understood. Marie Johannes is to me, one of the most skilled players in the world. She is everything you'd want in a guard who can both create offense for herself and for others. She hits three-pointers from anywhere in the building. She can, her court vision is really good. She can play in the pick and roll, but we have not seen her on a team that isn't horrible. And she, we haven't really seen her you know, playing defense against in the WNBA for very long either. So honestly, this was just a player who I put on here, you know, like, if, if she's capable, or if she does what she's capable of doing, um, she's going to be really, really good at the WNBA level. But uh, I, I had to include her somewhere on here. Yeah, for sure. And as dumb as it is to like use the word 
upside for someone who's, you know, going to be in her age 26 season. You know, we've seen less than 350 minutes of her in, in this league. And honestly, like outside of the flashes, like there's, there's no real basis for us to have her this high outside no, of no. the belief that, you know, as a player, if given real opportunities and not, you know, playing less minutes than Brittany Boyd and Tanisha Wright, uh, two players that were not in basketball the the following season. On a bad team. On too. a bad team uh, that had nothing to play for. I don't understand. But we digress. Anyway, I think we both think Maureen Johannes is, is pretty good. She can definitely skyrocket up these rankings uh, given a full season in the league. Yeah, like you said, like there's absolutely no, there's, I have no basis for doing this other than I think she's really, really good. So um, this is a hill I'm willing to die on. Uh, who is your next player? Number okay, my next 11. player is Ariel Powers. Okay, um, and she Powers. leads off. Yeah, she leads off tier uh, tier four. Okay, so that and, is uh, my eleventh ranked player. Okay, and who's Should number one twelve? For you? Uh, sure. My number twelve player is Courtney Williams, and this one I was going back and forth on because uh, the weaknesses in her game are so obvious, and I don't think they will ever be ironed out. But the strengths in her game make her a player who you would still really, really like to have on your team. I know it kind of, and as a Sun fan, you might kind of roll your eyes at this, and I I totally get if you do. But she is among the best difficult shot makers in the league, and that's a player you got to have on your team. And she's a pretty good playmaker as well. Now, we didn't see that in Atlanta, but that was kind of a throwaway season, in my opinion. I mean, she was asked to play point guard for a while while Kennedy Carter was out. She didn't like it. She was pretty vocal about not liking it. It's obviously not her natural position. But she can score. And the ability for her to even be, you know, somewhat efficient while basically only scoring from long two-pointer range is pretty impressive to me. I wish she would get to the free throw line more, or I wish she would take more threes, but I don't know if we're ever going to see that. So I think she is a, she's a good starter. She's a good starter. She's not a superstar. I don't think I'd even call her an above average starter, but she's, she's a starting caliber player. Now, how much of that do you disagree with? I have her a little bit lower. Uh, She's, she's, in the next tier down uh, with Benajah Laney and a few other players. I have her at number 17. You know, this first season in Atlanta just went to like Courtney Williams caricature type levels. The disappointing thing to me, and maybe this is a good time to talk a little bit about Shakina Strickland as well. Like this is, Mm -hmm. this was something we thought like Courtney Williams and Shakina Strickland were going to really, you know, reinvigorate Atlanta's transition game. And it turns out that it, Atlanta just kind of sucked the transition ability out of these two players, like the nerd Lux from Space Jam. Like she went from being in the 50th percentile in transition her last season in Connecticut to the 11th percentile. Yeah, that's that's weird. She cut her, her volume at the rim way down. And, and a lot of that probably had to do with, you know, not getting out in transition anymore. Like 65% of her shots come from between 10 feet in the three-point line. And yeah, I know, you know, you can make the tough shots, but making the tough shots still comes at a, a really low efficiency. And when we've seen Courtney Williams be at her best, you know, those first couple of games of the 2019 finals, for instance, like she wasn't making tough shots from the mid-range. She was getting to the basket and she was hitting three-pointers, but that's not what she wants to do. You know what I mean? You know, I think this was a much worse defensive season than we had seen from Courtney Williams the past few. It's, it's maddening. It really is because you know that she could do things that would make her a much more effective player, but she wants to hit the tough shots in the mid range and that isn't very effective and, and it's not going to be, and she's almost in all likelihood, never going to be an actually efficient player. And she's just, you know, going to take 15 footers uh, at, at 40%. 
Would you say she was miscast this past off season or was she, or this past season, or was she just not playing with uh, an ideal group of players? What did she do differently than, you know, she would normally do if she was perfectly cast? Well, I mean, she was, like I said, she was playing, she was playing the one a lot. Like, do you think that's not a good role for her? No, I don't. I mean, she, no, she's not a point guard for sure. But yeah, I guess, you know, the, maybe the ball was in her, her hands a little bit more than, than it should have been. And she wasn't kind of put in spot up situations, but, and, and she isn't, I guess, you know, who you would want as a, you know, a playmaker for others, but, you know, she is a pretty good pick and roll player or, you know, we, we've seen her do that well, at least. So yeah, I guess in, in that regard, she was miscast, but I mean, a lot of it kind of looks like the same old Courtney Williams to me. I don't yeah. Know. It's disappointing for sure. For sure. Below her, I had Alicia Gray, which I'm feeling pretty lousy about right now. <laughs> um, and below Alicia Gray, I had Satu Savali. And this is interesting because I, I think we both agree that her potential is much, much higher than that. Uh, this past season, I think, was a mixed bag for Satu. Um, she was another player who was kind of playing out of position. I mean, she was playing the five for a lot of the season, which is, I mean, she's really versatile, but that's not where I'd put her, at least not the first choice I'd, I'd, I'd assign her. And she, like, her three-point shot was pretty inconsistent. And, like, she just wasn't consistently impactful. But at the same time, the flashes of brilliance that we saw from her were, like, to me, MVP caliber. So we're going to talk about later who we see taking the biggest leap. For me, it's no question. It's Satu Savali. Where where did you have her? So um, before I answer that, what number is this for you? 15. Okay. I had her uh, 10 spots lower at number 20. Really? I mean, wow, she just okay. she wasn't very good. Like she wasn't an effective player. If you want to win a WNBA finals game or a five game series, like right now, there are a lot of players above her that I think would you'd be better off having. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think if you were to ask me, okay, we we've we're facing the very best teams in the league. Would you rather have, let's say, Bridget Carlton, who I have at fourteen, which which is probably too high, or Satu Sabali? Like she was not a very good off ball player. Like she was a dreadful three point shooter and she wasn't so good with the ball in her hands that I think made up for that. The skills are definitely there. Like she's going to be higher on this list the next time we revisit this for sure. But she wasn't an effective player. She wasn't a winning player her first season in. And, and Dallas, a team that wasn't very good, was like really bad when she was on the court. And they, they had a hard time scoring. They, they couldn't really defend. So, I mean, like all these players ahead of her, like I, I just would rather have them in a tough situation rather than Satu Sable at this point, like she's going to be good for sure. But at this point, like, and you know, the, the little bit of kind of like rookie of the year campaigning that was going on for her, didn't really understand that all that much, I, no. but, but yeah, the potential is off the charts and she's going to be super high on this list uh, sooner rather than later. But okay. At, at this point, it wasn't there for me. What, uh, what position do you think she is? Hmm. I hopefully a four. Like I think she could yeah. kind of be best utilized as a four. I agree. How about you? Okay, cool. I agree. Um, and like, she's such an interesting player because like, I mean, she doesn't really have the skill part of her game. Isn't really at wing level. Like, like you would think maybe offensively, she's a four defensively. She's a three, but I would not categorize her as a big either, even though she played a lot of five this season. I mean, like Dallas was just so oddly constructed and the way the roster was built was totally not the way the roster was played. So I, it was a weird season um, for her. I don't think she was in the best situation, but I, I agree with you. I mean, you, you've got points there. You've got points for sure. Uh, so as I mentioned before, I had Bridget Carlton at 14. Uh, Sabley was your 15th best player, I think. So this is, Carlton's the, the first player in my tier six after, uh, after Johannes. You know, she's right above Benajah Laney. This is probably too high for her, but I think this type of player is, is really valuable and she did it really well. 
you know, I, I think this type of player is more valuable than Abinajelani, who we, you know, like we've talked about kind of all show, it's kind of the theme of the show a little bit. Like if you are uh, a great complimentary player, you're, you're more valuable than someone who creates inefficiently. Uh, that's why I have her uh, above Courtney Williams, but yeah, this could definitely be one where, you know, she's just kind of a role player, maybe better suited as, you know, your, your seventh player. Uh, but right now this is where I have her. Then I have Laney at 15 and number 16, uh, the Chicago Sky's own Kalea Copper. Um, but you feel free to comment on, on Carlton if you even had her ranked. Yeah, I had her ranked. Um, it was in the next tier. She, she kind of fell into that, that category of players who do one thing really, really well, but I couldn't really, you know, separate them from, from each other. I mean, I mean, you're right in that the three-point shooting was a revelation for her, and, and she exceeded my expectations for sure. I think I just need to see more of it. Yeah, and she can definitely like fall into that, that category that you were talking about uh, before where, you know, she's uh, a lot of players are categorized as maybe three and D, but they don't really do both of those things. I think that maybe uh, can mm-hmm. be a fair thing to say about Carlton. You know, she's not a great defender. Uh, maybe she's, you know, a serviceable one. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of see. Where, where did you have uh, Kalea Copper? Uh, I had Kalea Copper 15th. So we, we, we kind of met, met again back there. Um, I don't know. You know, for, for, for Kalea, I think she, the most obvious thing is she's a really, really good athlete who developed her skills enough to be a serviceable starter. I don't think she's above average. I don't think she's below average. I mean, it was nice to see her, you know, kind of step as a sky fan. It was nice to see her kind of step up to the plate and fill in that, uh, that void that was left by diamond to shields. She's still not diamond to shields in transition, but she she can at least give you some facets of that game, particularly the ability to run, 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 run past everybody and, and, and finish at the rim. And I think she did improve in the half court a little bit as far as, you know, um, the three-point shot, pulling up, you know, off the dribble, take one, the one or two dribble pull-ups, and getting all the way to room. And she had some really nice finishes there. But, like, I think I still need to see a little bit more from her defensively, particularly off the basketball, because I, I see no reason why she can't become a really good defensive playmaker just because of her athleticism and her speed. Um, I mean, she's pretty good. I, I really don't have that much to say about her that, uh, you know, I think I think she, her game is pretty clear cut at this point in her career. Do you? Yeah, for sure. And the really impressive thing for me was you know the fifty four percent shooting from two on almost ten two point attempts per game. Like that that's pretty good for a player of of her stature. Uh, you know, probably a little bit worse of a three point shooting than you know people might realize. Only thirty four percent from the season, which is you know it, it's it, fine. It, it was it was it was at like forty percent for a while. Yeah, and, and then uh, she really fell off a cliff. Yeah, the so the, the last eight games of the season, she went four for 19, uh, yeah. but had been shooting 40% for the first uh, 14 games. But, you know, they all count. So yep. <laughs> uh, uh, after Copper, I had uh, Williams. And then, so I have seven players in this tier, and we've talked about uh, four of them. Um, who is, who's your next player? My next player is Kayla McBride, um, who I already talked about enough, I think. Uh, okay. Then I have Diamond to Shields. I mean, this is another really tough one because – like I said, um, it was like she was injured, yeah, but she never really recovered from it, and the weaknesses just became more apparent. And I just felt like she'd be further along by now. You know, injuries notwithstanding, we know the talent is there. It's just uh, I need to see more. I need to see more, and I need to see it soon. You know. Yeah, it, it seems I, like the, there's no the, other way I can put that. 
the things that we've kind of wanted to see improved haven't really, mm-hmm. you know, she's still, she's as great as she ever has been at, at the things that we thought she'd be. Well, what did we just talk about? We just talked about a really good athlete and Kalia Copper, a really good raw athlete and Kalia Copper, improving her skills to a point of her being, you know, you know, most approved contention or, you know, a legit starter. Like Diamond Shields is a legit starter when she's healthy, but she, her skill wise, she hasn't taken that jump yet. You know? So uh, that that's, Pretty low for for Diamond Shields. I mean, I'd not. I mean, you uh, obviously have a better pulse on it than I do. Kind of uh, as a as a Sky fan, but I, I'm I think I think with how low you have her, I think between us, I, th- I think I took the twenty twenty season into much stronger consideration than you did. Than you did. Oh sure, uh, that makes sense. Because I mean, like for for Laney, uh, players like that. Uh, so who's your who's your next player here? Okay, my next player, um, who I I'm kind of regretting having this high already. Um, I had Kia Nurse, and she's so that's 18th, last player in tier four. Um, massively disappointing season for Kia Nurse. Yeah, Kia Nurse is also my 18th player. Oh, I have two more oh, okay. in, in this tier, but it's funny that we have her in the the same exact spot as the yeah, 18th best that's interesting, wing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is a tough one, right? Because but I I think that you know who she is as a player is much closer to her first two seasons than this past season. Where obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, New York was just a dumpster fire. Yeah, and she, you know, was dealing with the ankle injury, but it is a tough one, right? She doesn't really make other players around her better in terms of like her offensive creation, but you know, she is a, a pretty efficient scorer. You know, with that being said, if I'm the Liberty, like I'm not kind of coordinating my future based on Kia Nurse uh, at, at the two or the three. You know, you know. Um, to be fair, um, I wouldn't be doing that before the season either. You know, oh, I, sure. I mean, she's she's a complimentary, she's a role player. That's she, and she's really good at like one or two things, but when we get down to the number 18th ranked player and when you're ranking wings, that's, you're going to have that, right? Yeah, sure. So uh, the last two players I had in this tier and we can kind of go uh, rapid fire from here. We spent yeah, yeah. a lot of time already. And this is where I, even though, you know, I have these two players in a separate tier, these next, um, you know, eight or nine players are, are pretty tough to parse out, but I had uh, Kayla Thornton at 19 and Sammy Whitcomb at 20. Okay. Like I say, we would come at 19 and Kayla Thornton at 22. So it's all piecemeal, right? Cool. Yep. For Thornton, you know, just, I'll, I'll just go through it quick. Her year over year, three point shooting, you know, 20, 20, 34%, 19, 27%, 2018, 35%, 2017, 28%. So just put together two good seasons in a row. You know what I mean? And we will kind of feel good about you as enough, a, right? a legit three and D player, because we definitely know the defense is there. She's, she's a tough player. I don't think I don't think she's gonna ever gonna be a three and D player, but th- as far as the defense is concerned, she's definitely there. She can guard many positions, and she does does bring that toughness and that she she gets after it on the glass. But as a scorer, I don't think she'll ever get there. That you know, efficiency wise. But as I said, in that in this range, that will happen. Um, where'd you have Tiffany Mitchell? Not uh, not in the next tier. So I have a, a tier seven beyond those players. Uh, that has six players in it, and she's in my tier eight with kind of the rest. Really? Okay. See, I, she's in my tier five. She, I had her ranked twentieth just because she's really, really good at one thing, and that's getting to the rim. Uh, I think the current her current fit is not good because I mean I categorize I I um I qualified this this my tier five as like a spot starter who I'd rather have coming off the bench. So players like Sammy Whitcomb, Raquan Williams, Kayla Thornton, Carlton. Um, and Tiffany Mitchell as well. You know, you, you have players who are really, really good three-point shooters who can't really do much else, and you got players who are really, really good drivers and finishers who can't really do much else. I know you're not really high on Tiffany Mitchell, but for me, when it gets to this range of players, it gets hard to really separate them. Um, and, and the other players I had in this tier are Rebecca Allen, 
who I think has the potential to rise, but we haven't seen her in a couple of years. Um, Brittany Sykes, who like uh, defensive player of the year candidate, Brittany Sykes, right? Allegedly. Allegedly, according to some people. And Victoria Vivians, because I did not know where to put Victoria Vivians. So, uh, so these are the six that I had in this tier. I just kind of put low-end starters, high-end rotation players. Uh, 21, Rebecca Allen. 22, Shakina Strickland. Uh, another player who went from being a, a great transition player to a terrible mm-hmm. one once they got to Atlanta, yeah. uh, at least, you know, from a efficiency standpoint, 23, Brittany Sykes, 24, Raquana Williams, 25, uh, Satu Sabali, and 26, Lexi Brown. Okay. So I think we're pretty much in the same, uh, the same thought process there. Uh, my next, uh, my next tier. I mean, I had Strickland first in this next tier, but man, I, my thing with Strickland is, yeah, she's a really good shooter, but, um, one, she does virtually nothing else. And two, she gets played like you can't keep her on the floor, whether it be because of either, you know, conditioning or, or poor defense. I mean, yeah, it's one thing if you can stretch the floor and, and, and provide gravity, but if you can't stay on the floor, that's, that's a flaw to me. That's a pretty major flaw. So I had her as like a, a bench player, you know, she's starting, but, uh, in a, in a, in a perfect world, I would not have her a starter. Um, same goes for Stephanie Talbot could rise. You never know. Lexi Brown, very disappointing season for her, but I think her main weakness is like, regardless of whether or not she's healthy or not, she's a player who like, if you're there on the catch, when she catches the ball, there's not much she can do for you offensively. Like she'll like her, her, her shooting percentage in the paint is pretty bad. I think um, defensively, she's good. Like she gets a lot of steals, but she just has yet to put together a really solid stretch of games. And I also had Rachel Bannum, Sydney Weiss, Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, Kennedy Burke and Kyla Charles as bench wings. Yeah. All those, all those players were in kind of my, my last tier of, you know, players who play this position pretty much, uh, you know, they should not be starting what was kind of how I labeled it with, you know, the, the players you mentioned, Kennedy Burke, Kyla Charles, Victoria Vivians was in this one. Hope, hope I see her uh, um, in a higher tier, but uh, let's kind of get to sort of the kind of wrap up questions here. Well, I, had, I had one more tier. I had one oh, more tier. Oh, oh, please. Sorry. And this, this is, and this is going to sound super disrespectful, but I think it's an important point that needs to be made. My last tier is I would rather use a roster spot on someone else, and that's Bria Holmes, Essence Carson, Sophie Cunningham, Tiara Ruffin-Pratt, and Simone Augustus. I mean, say what you will about Simone Augustus this season. It was very anomalous. Um, and those other players, I mean, like, you only get 11 to 12 spots on a roster. What are these players doing for you to justify having that spot on the roster? I'd just rather have somebody else. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. Good point. Okay, cool. Um, my mis- uh, my apologies. Keep going. Oh, uh, so just in terms of uh, your your confidence and and where you place uh, players, anyone that you are particularly not confident about? I'm not at all confident about Diamond and Shields, just because it was such a poor season by her standards, and it was almost kind of a throwaway season. Like she entered it injured, she never really got back to her true self. Then she left the bubble, and uh, that was that. And then uh, Kia Nurse as well, same reason more or less, just because she had a really bad season by her standards and because New York was so freaking bad that it's like, you know, how much how much can you take from that season from the Liberty for any, any player? Uh, in this category, I had uh, two players who you did not agree with me on, which is funny because I, <laughs> I did this before we talked, and it was two players that were consecutive in my rankings, Ariel Powers and Kayla McBride. Uh, you know, maybe for McBride becoming more of an option or like I said before, in a system that kind of values what she does a little bit uh, more, you know, she could either climb a few more spots or, or 
maybe be past her prime as a, a WNBA player. Uh, and Powers, you know, for, for reasons we discussed, kind of want to just see her, what she does in, uh, you know, more of a, a normal situation, not the best one in the league or the worst one in the league. And then I also had Diamond to Shields and Benajah Laney uh, in terms of players I'm not confident in. Uh, Laney, maybe this is who she is and, and she'll be an effective kind of creator uh, offensively and, and give you reliable spot up shooting. I'm kind of uh, hesitant to believe in that, mm-hmm. um, but I hope it's, it's the case. And then for DeShields, you know, definitely star potential. Uh, she definitely has improved as a half court player, but I, I want to see her become a more consistent force defensively possession after possession. And obviously a reliable kind of off ball player. That's fair. Um, so anyone you feel is, is very likely to kind of rise in these rankings that, that you didn't mention before? I mean, I guess I could, I could also put DeShields on there as well, just if she gets back to her former self. Um, Satu Sabli for obvious reasons. I mean, the talent is overwhelming. And Marie Johannes because, like we said before, she didn't play last year, and the last time we saw her, she was on a horrible team. But, I mean, if the Liberty retain her and put her in the backcourt with Sabrina Ionescu, ooh, buddy. That's going to be a fun. Uh, that's going to be a fun pair of players to watch. Yep, I have uh, I have those two players in here as well, as well right. as um, Victoria Vivians and Rebecca Allen. Uh, okay, Allen, Vivians, yeah, yeah. But I mean, she's she's never healthy though. That's that's the thing. Hard to uh, hard to play if you're not healthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, players you think might fall in your rankings uh, if we do this again next year? Uh, I have been Ijelani. Just because, I mean, so much of the season was so anomalous for her, and a lot of it was dependent on hot jump shooting. Would you agree? I would agree, yeah. Okay. For sure. Um, you, you have anyone else? Uh, I do. I have uh, Angel McCautry. Just, oh, know, yeah. Um, yeah. And I also had Courtney Williams. <laughs> um, but maybe she'll... Has she fallen enough? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, there are still some pretty good players behind her, um, but... You know, she could go. She could definitely go either way. We probably should have just mentioned her in terms of you know either either way. But well, speaking to that point, I mean, this is this is all the same pool of players. So if if some of these players are going to rise, some of them inevitably need to fall, right? And and Courtney Williams, for as gifted of a player as she is, she seems like a finished product to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not really any evidence to dispute that she. Yeah. You know, kind of plays the same game year over year. I guess yeah, the one so I, I, yeah. that. Uh, one other one that I might say I might have had too high here, Ariel Atkins being being number four. You know, I, I do really value what she brings. You know, you and I have joked about kind of the the gushing over Ariel Atkins before, but I think it, in this case with this group of players, uh, I, I do think it's fair. Okay. I think we are all done here. Would you uh, like to sign us off? Uh, sure. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you'd like to support the show, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. We are available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on Google Podcast Manager. Uh, you can engage with us on Twitter at DoubleDownWNBA, at E for Eric's personal account, at Trinkwald for mine. Uh, and thank you all so much for listening again, and please uh, stay safe. Much love, y'all.